So great to be with you on Easter Sunday, uh, if you're watching this on Easter Sunday, on the watch pack, but just a few things to say. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Love a bit of liturgy to start with. He is risen. He is risen indeed. I can hear you shouting back at me. I just wanted to start by reading uh, from Matthew's Gospel, Matthew 28, just the account of the resurrection. Uh, always a good place to start on Easter Sunday. So it says this, after the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. They were, they were pretty terrified. The angel said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen. Just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the woman hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell the disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Easter Sunday, my daughter turned around to me the other day and said, uh, she's, she's, she's like, Daddy, why is it called Easter? I was like, that's a brilliant question. Let's just call it Resurrection Sunday instead. And actually, I really love the name Resurrection Sunday, which is, is how it's known to many as well. But I just want you to think about today as Christians across the globe, think about the whole world. We are uniting together to proclaim that he has risen, to proclaim that Jesus defeated death. And what a wonderful thing that is. I've also been reminded of some of the words of one of the worship songs that we sing. Death could not hold you, the veil tore before you. You silenced the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring, the praise of your glory. For you are raised to life again. You have no rival, you have no equal. Now and forever our God reigns. Yours is the kingdom, yours is the glory, yours is the name above all names. So we celebrate that the grave could not hold him, that death could not defeat him, that Jesus defeated Satan and broke his power, that he rose again, that he walked out of the tomb. Even just that imagery, just Jesus casually walking out of the tomb. And that today we celebrate that the story does not end at the cross. And I think that this is true for many Christians is sometimes they talk a lot about Jesus dying on the cross, which is important and re really important. But they never get to the resurrection. They never get to, well, what is the power of the resurrection? Why is the resurrection so important? So, yes, he died on the cross, but on the third day he rose again. The cross paid for our past and the resurrection ushers in our future. The, re the resurrection speaks of our new life in Jesus. And as a church and as Christians, it's so incredibly important that we understand and live in the victory of the resurrection. So I, if I had a purpose today, it would be to strengthen our backbones as the church of Christ, as Jesus's church. That almost as we, as I speak, I pray that just that the power of God will encounter you. And it's almost like, yes, 
This is who Jesus is and this is who he has made me to be. Now, if you look through the book of Acts, written really about the early church, virtually every sermon, of which there are quite a number, has at its core, at its centre, the resurrection. It's the central part of each sermon. The apostles couldn't stop talking about the resurrection. The church was birthed through the resurrection. So before, if you, again, think before the resurrection, think back to the cross. The disciples, they would have been ashamed, terrified, generally broken and absolutely in disarray. Their leader has been crucified, the person that they're following, and it's just all fallen apart, like the depths of sorrow. And then you fast forward, you've got the resurrection, Jesus returning, followed by Pentecost, which is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. After Jesus has returned to heaven, then we've got Pentecost. These two things, the resurrection and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, brought power, deep, deep power into the church that rumbled around the whole world. So from disarray to power is what we see. And the disciples had a very simple message for their early listeners and one that almost entirely um, focused upon the announcement that Jesus had risen from the dead. And it's not surprising then that the, that the apostles' job descriptions at the beginning of Acts is simply this, witnesses to his resurrection in 122. And although we might not be witnesses of the resurrection in the way that the apostles were, our task is to proclaim the same message. When we talk about the good news, he died and he rose again. Christ is risen. This is the good news. So today, just as I was preparing, I want to talk about one phrase because that's about what I've got the capacity for. One tiny phrase. I really hope that it was, it's going to go into your minds because I think it's got so much depth and power. So I'm going to keep you hanging for a moment. We're like, what one phrase is it going to be? But I want to talk about this phrase, raised with Christ. Raised with Christ, which is found in Colossians 3 verse 1. It says this, since you have been raised with Christ. Take a moment. Think about this image of being raised with Christ. What? Just think about that in, in your mind's eye. What does that actually look like? I'm going to come back to it again a little bit later in the talk. But just think. When you think about being raised with Christ, what imagery comes to your mind? Did you know that you've been raised with Christ? Because I think when we talk about the resurrection, absolutely, Easter, Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, we focus on Jesus, Jesus overcoming death. Yes, but Jesus goes one step further than this. It's not just Jesus was raised again. It then goes on to say, well, as his disciples you also have been raised with Christ. Can you see that? And what it's really saying is that if you have said to Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and Saviour, Lord, I'm sorry for the mess in my life, I'm sorry for the sin, would you come and take it? Then at that point, the kingdom of God comes into our life, the breaking of the Holy Spirit comes in, we are considered to be raised with Christ. So I've called my talk today, Raised with Christ, Walking Out our new identity. Walking is such a strong biblical picture throughout the scriptures. Over 60 times in the scripture, there's just metaphors and analogies of walking. You know, walk in a worthy manner, in a, um, in a manner worthy of the Lord. So as we think about this concept of being raised with Christ, 
It's really helpful to go back into Colossians 2, because Colossians 3, verse 1, <coughs> sorry, that talks about us being raised with Christ. Go back into Colossians 2. It says, since you've died with Christ. Now, I love hearing stories of how people have come to faith in Jesus. In fact, nothing gives me greater joy. And sooner or later, it's something that most, if not all Christians, will be asked to explain, both to Christians and to non-Christians. It could be you're in a small group and you're just sharing testimonies. Like, oh, you know, how, did, how did you come to faith? Or you could be in the pub and you're having a chat with some friends who don't have faith. And they're like, oh, just tell me about your faith. Like, how have you made this decision? <clears throat> and it's a good thing to think through. And as we do, we become aware of key turning points in our life. As you go through your testimony, it'll be like, there was this moment, it could be a number of them, or it could be one moment that completely changes the direction of our life. Maybe a particular situation that we're facing, um, a realisation of our own mortality, a life crisis, or a really important conversation with somebody who starts talking to you about Jesus, or maybe even a sermon. Could even be but that. But as we look back, we might think of particular stages in our journey towards becoming Christians, a process, a process of coming to faith. Now, in Ephesians 2, Paul does things rather differently. So rather than telling his own story about how he's come to faith, he gives his friends in Ephesus their testimony. And he says, so he reminds them about how they came to be followers of Jesus. And what I love about Paul is, in this instance, he keeps things incredibly simple because he wants them to remind them of how it all happened. And he says two things. He says, firstly, they were dead in their sins. That's where he starts. Firstly, you were dead in your sins. Secondly, they were raised with Christ. So let me just unpack this from Ephesians 2, 1 to 3. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. I love how it says this in the message. It says, it wasn't so long ago that you were mired in that old stagnant life of sin. It's got a brilliant way with words, isn't it? You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. We all did it, all of us doing what we felt like doing, when we felt like doing it, all of us in the same boat. So that was them to start with. And really underlining what it was saying is spiritually dead. Three things would have been bound up with this death. And I've heard it called the unholy trinity of the world, the devil and the flesh. So Paul is able to recognise himself in there. And he says this in Ephesians 2, 3. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. So this is really the default condition of a human being. We, until we've been raised with Christ, until we've been made alive, we fundamentally are spiritually dead. Physically we're alive, we don't look dead, but inside we are. We know that something's not quite right. There's, there's an emptiness, maybe a vacuum, a brokenness. We were dead, not dead-like or nearly dead, but really dead, dead in our sins. And they're quite stark terms, aren't they? In the vineyard, we would talk about the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. We would call about the, talk about the kingdom of the world, 
the kingdom of the air, as it talks about in this passage, and the kingdom of God. So that's what it is. We were dead. All of us were dead in our sins. Then God did something. Bang. Ephesians 2, raised with Christ. Because of his great love for us, verse 4, Ephesians 2, verse 4, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace that you have been saved. God made us alive. Notice that. And then Paul continues the story. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So really two concepts, made alive, raised up. This movement from death to life is due entirely to one thing, God's grace and mercy. We are saved by grace, only by grace. It's his finished work on the cross and the resurrection that enables this to happen. Grace at the heart of it is when God gives us something that we don't deserve. Another way of putting it might be undeserved kindness. It's not because of anything in us. It's not because we're great or we do anything in a particular way. It wasn't that God looked at us and he was like, do you know what, James, you are, you'd make a great Christian. You'd make a great Christian. Or I couldn't possibly imagine the kingdom of God advancing without you on the team. Do you know what I mean? I don't think that's the way that is all undeserved. So Paul insists in the next couple of verses, he just goes on, do you know what? We've got nothing to boast about. I'm not better than someone else because I've got this. It's a free gift of God. All from God. And as a result, we have this new life. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17, really key verse. Therefore, if it anyone, if, sorry, I'm going to start this again, didn't say that very well. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has gone. I've done a really bad job with this verse. Can I say it a third time? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. Sorry, the old has gone. The new is here. Hallelujah. He's done it third time round. Well done, James. That really important verse. The old has gone. The new is here. Now, okay, lots of talk. When I asked you earlier, I asked you to think, to visually picture yourself being raised with Christ. I asked you to say, what does that look like? I think that a number of you, many of you might even have thought about the picture of baptism. What happens in baptism is that fundamentally you are put under the water. You profess, you know, Jesus Christ is Lord. Uh, do you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Yes. I baptise you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Bam, under the water, at which point we are washed clean. Our sins are gone. We are raised again. What are we raised to? New life. Again, it's this picture of new life again. And this imagery of baptism helps to bring together all of these strands of what we're talking about. This weekend in our central site, we are baptising 10 people. That's just amazing. Sharing stories about how Jesus has changed their life. They're, they are just declaring on Easter Sunday, Jesus is Lord. There's nobody else that I'm going to live for. I have moved from being dead in my sins and now I have been raised to life in Christ Jesus. One of the people who was getting baptised I met a couple of months ago and I was just picking up a few things after the evening service, that evening service, that rush to Sainsbury's just on the way back, pick up a bit of bread, bit of milk for the week. And I was in Sainsbury's and this um, young lady comes up to me and she says, oh, hi, were you the person who was just speaking? And at that moment I had a, I was like, oh, don't know what you're going to say. Maybe. No, so I was like, anyway, I was like, Yes, that was me. And I, 
she then just proceeded to tell me she hadn't been in church for years and years and years. She'd been invited by some friends and she had absolutely loved the service. I'm not necessarily talking about my preach, but I'm talking about she just loved it. She loved the worship. She loved the welcome. And um, so, I, so I met this lady in St. Bruce. Anyway, last Sunday, I met this lady again who came up to me and she has been coming every week since. Every Sunday, she hasn't missed a single um, service. And through a number of different ways, she has got complete, she's in a small group, she's made friends in our church, and more importantly, she's getting baptised. She has given her life to Jesus. So in this two-month period, we've just seen this amazing picture of what's going on. And I kind of bookended because that's the bit that I've been involved with. But actually, all of this work has been going on in the middle. But so this Sunday, as she's being baptised, she is being placed under the water, symbolising death to her old life. And when she comes up again, she's born again. Now, in Romans 6, beautiful, beautiful passage, we see this picture of moving from the old to the new, from darkness to light. So I'm going to pick it up in verse three. Don't you know that all of us who were baptised into Christ, Jesus were baptised into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And you see it there again throughout the scriptures that I've been talking about. New life, new life, new life, alive in Christ, raised with Christ, united with Christ. For if we've been united with him, in a death like this, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like this. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. So what happens in baptism or is that we had to die. And what happened when we died was the sin was broken off of us in order that when we were raised, that there was a freedom over us, like you are no longer slaves to sin. As we say in that song, you're no longer slaves to sin, you are a child of God. So that identity is gone. The one of sin is gone. What it's been replaced with is a new nature. You have been adopted as children. Boom, completely different. Now, the truth is, sometimes we just forget this. Sometimes we just forget and it's almost like, yeah, we kind of know in the background, yes, I'm the Lord's, yes, I'm, but we've forgotten the power of the resurrection. We've forgotten what's happened. The power of sin has been broken. That's what it's saying in these verses. We're no longer slaves to sin. At the heart of all of this is positional change. My identity has changed. I am no longer this. I am now this. I am a child of God. Yes, I mess up. I get things wrong. We all do. But my identity is fundamentally different because I have been raised with Christ. We are unable to do what God requires us to do until we understand who we are in Christ. Or put it the other way around more positively, we are able to do what God requires when we understand who we are in Christ. Our actions are determined by our being. Let me give you an example. When I was um, when I first moved to the city, uh, to Cardiff, I worked as a pupil advocate and I worked with um, children on the edge of exclusion. I worked uh, as a pupil advocate, that was my name. So I worked with a lot of young people, probably between the age of 11 and 15, who had deeply difficult things going on in their lives. If a child 
knows that they are loved by their parent unconditionally and they're secure in their love, they respond as people who are loved. When children are unsure about whether they are loved, they behave accordingly. They try and earn their parents' affections and they love through achievement or by acting up or whatever it is. But when we, are, when we know that we are deeply loved, we will live out of that identity. Can you see that, how it changes the way that we behaved? Paul constantly reminded believers of their identity and then in light of that, live like this. He made us aware of who God has made us before telling us what we need to do. For Paul, the resurrection life was not just a hope for the future that one day that we get to go and be with God, but a present reality that affects the way that we live. And in Greek, he was literally saying that now we may walk in a new way, raised to Christ, walking out our identity, that we walk in a different way. We are called. And again, this is the imagery of what I was talking about, strengthening our back to bone. We are called to live with a confidence. We live in victory, not in defeat. We have been adopted as sons and daughters. Paul knows exactly what he wants. In Philippians 3 verse 10, he says, I want to know Christ and the power of the resurrection. Now, this is amazing. By this time, Paul has probably followed Jesus for about 30 years. He's written letters like Romans and Galatians that were all like, they are incredible. He's not a new convert. He's well on into his spiritual journey. He's still wanting to know the power of the resurrection. He's ongoing. I want to know the power of the resurrection. I want to know Christ and the power of the resurrection. And we might turn around and be like, whoa, Paul, you're doing fine. And Paul's like, no, I want to know him more. There's so much more. I still feel like I've only just begun. C.S. Lewis in Prince Caspian helps to capture this. He says this, it's been a long time since Lucy and her friends have seen Aslan and Lucy is the first to encounter him again. At first she's surprised. Aslan said, Lucy, you're bigger. That's because you're older, little one, answered he. Not because you are. I am not. But every year you grow, you will find me bigger. Every year that we go on, would we find the power of the resurrection more captivating, that Jesus would become bigger in our vision? And this leads me through to my final thought, that it's not only new life, dead to sin, raised with Christ, new life, but that actually we would be given a new perspective as well, a new way of thinking. Being raised with Christ means that things are going to start looking a little different and continue changing. And we need to put off our old thinking. Our perspective needs to keep being renewed, our hearts and minds renewed. It says this in Colossians 3, 1 to 4. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Notice the connection. It's because we've been raised with Jesus that we need to set our hearts and minds on things above. Take this for a moment. How much is that true for you? That your mind is set on things above, not on earthly things. Our new perspective is essential precisely because we now experience resurrection life. Being raised with Christ should change our whole perspective. We need to see reality in the light of where we now are. Things are different in resurrection life. We are not where we were 
And we need to keep up with that. We need to set our hearts and minds on things above. Notice that it's going to take some determination on our part. It's not automatic. This new perspective doesn't just happen. Do you know what I mean? It's like, bang, dead to sin, raised with Christ. Yeah, absolutely, that's true. We have a new positional identity, but we have to keep walking it out day by day, moment by moment, walking into this new perspective. Effort is involved. We need resolve. I've, I've been raised with Christ and I need to keep that in my consciousness. I need to have the concerns and the mindset of a spiritually raised person. We've been raised with Christ, says Paul. You can't just stick it in your back pocket and get back to business as usual. Put your heart and your mind to work. Think like a risen person. What are the new concerns going to be? The new priorities? At the very least, it's going to spill out into our behaviour. But when it comes to resurrection living, it's very easily done. In day-to-day life, we have our rituals, morning rituals maybe, coffee, fruit, shower, clothes, breakfast, in whatever order you prefer. Each of us figures this out as soon as we're able and we need to learn to do it again. Resurrection living means a new start has begun for us and the spiritual day has dawned. We've moved from darkness, from light, from sleep to being awake, from spiritual death to life in Jesus. We need to put on our new clothes. That's imagery again, just this imagery of we're different. We're made to look different. New life, new perspective. As I come into land on this Easter Sunday, what is it to spiritually keep strengthening our backbone, to keep living in the power of the resurrection? We start by looking at Jesus, by being so thankful on this day, it's like, I have been raised to life with Christ. I no longer live that way. I live as I'm no longer a slave to sin. I am a child of God. And we continue just being thankful on this Easter Sunday, thankful to Jesus for all that he's done and say, Jesus, I want to continue to live a new way. So why don't I just finish by praying? Jesus, I thank you that you've given us new clothes to wear, that we've got a new identity, that we're not the same. You've changed us inside. And so we just say a massive gratitude for all that you went through and the victory that you've won. And Jesus, today we stand on the victory. In Jesus' name. Amen.